Hello and welcome to the Ghibli Rewatch series of the Overly Animated Podcast, where we'll be going through every Studio Ghibli movie chronologically from the beginning. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by April Collins. Hi there! And Alex Bonilla. Buongiorno. Uh, yes, a hint at what movie we're talking about, but this is the Ghibli Rewatch series. Join us in rewatching or watching for the first time all the Studio Ghibli movies now that they're available for streaming for the first time ever on HBO Max in the United States and Netflix in most of the rest of the world. Uh, with new podcasts every Wednesday as we go through the whole Studio Ghibli catalog. Find all of the ways to contact us at OverlyAnimated.com. I'm a Ghibli expert and be joined by co-hosts with a variety of Ghibli experience. And today we're talking Porco Rosso, a very interesting one to get into. Make sure you've seen Porco Rosso or getting onto full spoilers for this movie. Uh, only vague spoilers for the rest of the Ghibli catalog if you have not seen any other film, uh, any of the other films. Uh, we'll be talking, doesn't matter if you've seen subbed or dub, we'll be talking about uh, whatever uh the people on have seen primarily subs but watch whatever you prefer let's get into porco rosso um we are in 1992 here uh for our next hayao miyazaki film this one is based on his own very short manga he made as part of a collection of kind of whimsical pig hero stories um it was initially conceived of as a short film for Japan Airlines, uh, and then expanded into a full feature. Um, similar. Well, was it was it like Porco tell you put on your seatbelt if you want to be a safe I don't know. Pilot. I don't. I don't think it was a safety <laughs> instructional video. It's just. Uh, oh. it, it was going to be like a legit. I think like forty five minute thing, but. Uh, the, 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 uh, this happened a few times, I think, with Miyazaki. Ended up expanding it to a full thing. He, um, some, some context, as we talked about on the Kiki podcast, he's pretty exhausted after Kiki. And then apparently he helped in producing only yesterday as well. Um, and those are two similar-ish movies. So he wanted a change of pace. Uh, and we got it with Porco Rosso. This is a, uh, movie about a former World War One pilot, now bounty hunter and a pig. Um, Porco, or formerly known as Marco. So, a lot of interesting things to get into. It's a different type of movie than some of the previous ones we've been talking about. But first, uh, let's go through what your history is with this movie. And um, what did you think of it upon watching or rewatching it? April. So, um, I've seen this movie multiple times. And one of my best friends, this is actually his favorite um Ghibli movie so um it obviously has a near and dear place in my heart um I I like this movie it's interesting um it captures my attention I love 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 the music in this movie so much um I did something interesting because normally I always watch uh, this movie subbed, but I actually watched it dubbed. So I have some interesting, Ooh. I guess, like feedback about that. For instance, I prefer it. Like, it's like I prefer subs typically, but it was interesting to watch the dub. I didn't like this movie dubbed. <laughs> so how did you? How did you like Batman as uh, Porco, Michael Keaton? Oh, I yeah, no. Like, <laughs> I, I think my biggest like. I, I think, think that kind of checks out that Batman they, being poor Yeah. Man. Well, they they like added dialogue and then like changed it a lot. So, and I found this I found the movie more problematic dubbed versus subbed. Mm, interesting. You can get into some of those things you noticed. I haven't yeah. seen it dubbed in a while, so I don't remember any of that. Yeah. 
So, but I mean, I still enjoy this movie. I I love it. Uh, I don't know why, but I always feel like planes and like aviation has like a near and dear place in my heart. Um, so I guess me and Miyazaki have that in common. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but yeah, so um, still enjoyed it. Still great. I'm super excited to talk about it. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Well, this is the plane movie. So if you like yeah. planes, this is, yeah, this is Wind Rises probably second you know, yeah maybe but yeah okay a lot of planes talk i don't know how much there's to say about the planes but it's maybe okay. we'll, we'll see especially <laughs> considering i don't think any of us are aviation experts april just here. said she loves planes so we'll see what she has to say about the planes. I just, Alex, I I've, I've had a lot of friends who were pilots and ah, stuff like that okay. so and my my ex was a pilot as well and i okay. grew up by an airport so how many planes have you flown in? I mean, other than like, have you flown any non-commercial airplanes? Yeah, I've okay. flown in a lot of non-commercial air like airplanes. And what is it like? My ex, his family actually owned a plane, okay. so it was this like is... a six-seater plane. So wow, this is infinitely <laughs> more plane experience than me, and I assume Alex. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so we have a plane expert kind of April here. So Al- Alex, <laughs> what are, what about you? What's your history with Porco? What do you think of the movie? Uh, I, I'm not a plane expert, so that that's out of the way. Um, <laughs> are you a are you a pig expert? Um. Well, uh, I, I've seen a pig in real life before. Um, I, that's I like the you. bare minimum. Of... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I probably petted them at some point. Okay. Like, <laughs> um, there was Porco Rosso. Um, I just watched it for the first time this weekend. Mm. Uh, before this, the only knowledge I had of Porco Rosso was the meme of uh, rather a pig than a fascist. Like that, and I think that's most people's entryway into knowing that this movie even exists. Is just that. Uh, yeah, I don't so, know if that's a more recent thing, but that's definitely the most current famous thing about the movie. Right, right. <laughs> and so, like, that's the literally the only thing I know about this movie going in. So uh, after after watching it, I'd say that this is a a, a fun movie as all, almost uh, as all Miyazaki movies have been so far. Uh, it definitely feels like it has a bit more of a story compared to like the slice of life that have been covered recently, like Totoro or Only Yesterday. Like, that does feel like. A little bit more of connective tissue, but it still feels very loose in that, like this, the the plot points, so to speak, are not exactly like high. Don't feel as high stakes as maybe other movies, but so like the 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 movie itself felt very very nice, very smooth. But my main takeaway is that Porco himself is a character I really sympathize with because Mm. to the point. Because the thing is, up to this point, like most of the Miyazaki movies have been focusing from kids' perspectives. You had Lupin at the very beginning, and like that's like sort of sort of an adult. And since then, like you haven't really had much in the way of like adult main characters until Porco. And I gotta say, like I I enjoy following around a grump for once in this world of in this filmography full of optimism and uh, and like things will get better. This person, this pig who has been. Uh, 
worn down by the 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 heavy ills of society and just kind of just like in it for himself sort of thing. Like that that feels almost kind of refreshing as you're going through this uh, uh, this list of movies. So while Porco Rosso, like uh, as a whole, like that there's like stuff that I'm like not that into and stuff that's fine. So like uh, as a movie, it's okay. But uh, Porco himself is probably one of my favorite characters that I've encountered in this uh, in this uh, G- Ghibli rewatch uh, so far. Just because, like, yeah, I I I feel Porco energy a lot in my life, and I, I'm he's cool, and also he has a cool mustache. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> those those are my thoughts. Porco, good. Porco Rosso, oh, as the movie, okay. 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 Well, I yeah. like I like your take on Porco as a character, so we can get into yeah. that. Um, yeah. No, we're, we're, we'll talk about this, but we're coming off of three kid-oriented uh, films in a row for Miyazaki, and this we go straight into one of his most adult fare here with a, a you know an adult main character aimed at more of an adult audience. Um, I definitely don't think Porco's just okay. You know, I think this is this is a great movie. Uh, I think the thing you'll hear often with Porcarosa, this, I've been responsible for this among many other people, is this is the most underrated Miyazaki movie. Underrated. I think you'll hear this mm. a lot with <laughs> So, um, I've definitely been a proponent of calling this the most underrated movie. I think this is right up there with some of his greats, like, uh, just behind kind of the big three for me. I'm fine with putting this, like, in the top five Miyazaki. I think we did a top five podcast a while ago. I think I put this in the top five. I love Porcarosa. I have a little bit of a complicated relationship with this movie, which will, go over specifically in some of its kind of feminist aspects i would love to talk that through in a lot of detail um however uh this is uh you know this is like unbridled miyazaki in a lot of ways and it really shines through i think it's it's uh pretty incredible start to finish um this is like you know it's the best display of planes you know you got some some great characters uh it's just really fun i love the opening scene it's so fun with the rescuing the happy children um, like, uh, it's another line in, uh, of the great Miyazaki opening scenes. Um, I agree. The music's great. I love the ending of this movie. I love the ending credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's some really deep flashbacks and like a big component of this movie. Something I was focusing on preparing for this podcast is the kind of the overt political themes and perspective of this movie. Um, I think that it is refreshing to see Miyazaki kind of just go whole hog there you go uh with his uh, political <laughs> mindset uh as i was constructing <laughs> that sentence in my head i realized i had to say that um but uh you know this is me Miyaz- you know the re- better to be a pig than a fascist this is totally miyazaki's um kind of left-wing political uh mindset shining through the most that you'll see in any of his films and uh i, I think in a certain aspect, I think that's maybe the most special part of this movie is, um, and just, and the fact that it's set in, grounded in reality in a way that others aren't, I think really, uh, encourages that and, um, allows for that type of perspective. Um, so I, I think this is a special movie. I think it's also just a really unique movie compared to other Miyazaki movies. Well, like, I'm not, the only, the closest thing to this is probably Wind Rises, which we'll talk about in like months. Um, but, uh, e- even, you know, I think it's, it's, it's different from that movie and it's like very different from, from the, the movies we've been talking about previously and the ones we'll talk about next. So, uh, that, that, that's probably where I want to start. I mean, I think just at its core, this is like uh, 
Uh, I, I, the, well, I'll be referencing Mizakirod by Susan Napier, as, as always throughout the series. She kind of starts her chapter on this by comparing this movie to Casablanca. Um, so it's like a Casablanca-esque Miyazaki version of that movie, like a maybe a 40s or a golden era, like Hollywood style film. And that's like kind of crazy that there's a Miyazaki version of all of that. Um, that's a, a part of the reason why I wanted April on this one, just because she is a, like a, a film uh, person perspective on it. I don't know, April, do you have like thoughts on this, how this movie functions as like uh, a, a Miyazaki version of an old Hollywood style film? Um, I can see it fitting into, uh, I was like, whenever I was looking over like your outline and the 40s Casablanca-esque, like, <laughs> yeah, I can kind of see that. Like, but I think, I think it's a good like comparison. So, but and I do agree that it's like a very Hollywood style, like war, like I would say it's more like Hollywood style wartime versus like Casablanca-esque. So, uh, because it's kind of like, hmm, it's like definitely like coming out of the war. And I love like all of like the, like the war talk that takes place between the characters as mm. well. Like, oh, I was a World War One fighter, like X, Y, and Z. Um, and obviously there's the whole scene where he talks about surviving that one battle. Um, but yeah, like... How how does it I, function for you as like an entry kind of in this like old Hollywood style? I think it functions very well. Like I would say that like I, this would make you appreciate like I guess I'm going to say actual like Casablanca and things like like movies like that, like that sort of style. Just because like yeah, it's animated, but it is still more adult and it's still a lot of fun. Um, so I think it would be like a good entry into like that part of film history for sure. Yeah. I I feel like that's not like a type of movie that I, I'm personally, I particularly feel like what, if I was going to watch a movie, I'd want to watch like a super old movie. I like not, not really, but this movie kind of makes you want to like, if anything like this, it just, it it may, it seems so fun and like the tone of it. Like I I totally feel like you get into more of those type of movies from this. I think the other thing too is that like the 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 story itself um is interesting and it's not necessarily like you're not focusing on a love story or like anything else like it's it it's kind of just a like an interesting like uh, this is the other world of it kind of thing so well yeah. I I, w- uh, I would say that actually like a, a- at least to me, what gives off the old Hollywood vibe primarily is kind of a, the strained relationship between Porco and the, the and, and Gina, Gina. Yeah. and like, uh, like yeah, it's so like well, it's not like an overt love story, but it does feel like a kind of like old Hollywood. Like we're not allowed to show them being intimate, like physically, so we have to show them like having conversations alone in rooms and like being wistful about each other. Or so like in that sense, like at least to me, like that feels like a big piece of this movie and one of my preferred parts is like seeing the, their back and forth throughout and like down to like the the at the ending of the movie is, is like kind of like that that's like the last carrot that they dangle at you is like how does that end and so like i i think that that's a big piece of it also i want to say 
like the comparing this to to older Hollywood is interesting because again we have to remember this is Miyazaki this is like one of the most colorful animators in the in the, mm-hmm. that we that exist and so like putting something that like in your head like you've only seen as like black and white movies for the most part like in this like yeah. vibrant yeah. environment it's like it, it's a twist that it's a it's a combination that that fits very well because of like how how it's handled and like at the same time like there's all there's the fantasy elements as well of you know the pig to the pig man <laughs> as well as, <laughs> as well as like a lot of like the fa- the facial stuff and the stuff that you can do with animation so like uh, so uh, the, it does work on that on that old framework but I, I think that what makes this movie like feel special is the fact that you're able to apply like this vibrance that you don't usually associate with the old, the older films yeah I think that's a great point yeah. that it's it, a lot of its appeal I think comes from it being a uh, fluid uh, colorful animated movie version of that type of film and I and I agree that kind of the porco Gina at undercurrent through the movie is probably the best Casablanca comparison. I think that's kind of what you focus on on the chapter, but, but yeah, it is kind of, for me, it is kind of only an undercurrent because I do think Theo kind of takes center stage for most of the movie with, with Porco. So, um, it is interesting how he handles. I mean, it's very Miyazakian in that he's not going to focus on romance. So there is kind of this, this core romantic through line in the movie, but it's really not something that we dive a ton into. We can, we can talk more about that. Um, but yeah, yeah, just like Miyazaki's spin on this, like that, that's kind of my, my first topic. I, I feel like I want to get into a ton is just like how Miyazaki, uh, like how this is like the most Miyazaki movie, how this plays into the time period of his life right now. Um, or like when he's making this movie. And, uh, I, I want to start with, with a quote, uh, definitely the best quote, I think, from, from the Susan Napier Miyazaki World chapter. Um, she says, one can imagine many directors might want to create a post-World War One romance about a war-weary aviator and a beautiful chanteuse. Such a movie plays into our notions of a gold time that we are now locked away from, lost in the detritus of too many subsequent brutal wars and the more subtle brutalities of modernization. Few directors, however, would make that aviator a bounty hunter with a hideout in the Adriatic, who entrusts a team of Milanese women, ranging from grandmothers to teenage girls, to rebuild his beloved plane, and no other director that I can imagine would make that aviator a pig in exile. Furthermore, this is not simply any porcelain aviator, but a former human flying ace that at one point tells an old comrade, I'd rather be a pig than a fascist, suggesting that his exile is not only spatial, but ideological. And finally, this is an anti-fascist pig who loves a woman whose signature song, Les Temps de Charisse, comes out of the 1871 utopian socialist uprising known as the Paris Commune. Um, this is a great summary of all of the very uh, only Miyazaki aspects of this movie. It's a pig. Um, it's, uh, you know, is in the, in the, this, uh, former bounty hunter in the Adriatic, but like the, you know, there's the, the most feminist, I think, Miyazaki type scene is like when all the women, uh, work in the factory to, to the workshop to kind of remake his plane. Um, and then, um, referring to the fact that Gina in the beginning is singing a song that, uh, a, re- a real old French song that's talking about the, uh, socialist Paris commune, which again, I think plays into a lot of socialist themes that, uh, Miyazaki has, uh, woven throughout his movies. So, um, in general, in a lot of ways, this is just like such Miyazaki, uh, all these elements. I mean, I think the fact that this, the main character is a pig on top of everything else, uh, is, is, it's something you want to talk about too right away, but it's like, uh, <laughs> so I'm almost distracted by that. Uh, but we can, we can get into, uh, some of the, uh, 
the other parts of uh i'll bring in another susan napier quote quote right away here uh she says like part like it's part human part pig hero this movie is a hybrid an enthralling adventure that is also unique commentary on political and moral commitment middle age masculinity and desire it is also in many ways the most naked expression of miyazaki's own longing for a different life a life of action freedom and intense moral significance one that was far away from the constant work and pressures of the director's normal existence. Its gorgeous animation and fantastic plot can be seen as a kind of therapeutic processing of the traumas of middle age. I think you could paint this movie as kind of Miyazaki's midlife crisis, uh, is kind of the (laughs) the, the summary of. This is like, uh, what she's saying there is like, this is like, what Miyazaki would want to be. It's it's kind of like his wish fulfillment with Porco. Um, you know, he has he he represents Miyazaki's moral and political stances. He's taking action on things. Um, I mean, you know, even with his interaction with kind of these two basic archetypes of me of women that we see in Miyazaki's films in Fio and Gina. Um so mm-hmm. I think I think that's an important context to kind of keep in mind is this this being like very much a movie Miyazaki would make at this point of his life. You know, I think he's around 50 or something uh, uh, making this movie. Um, and, uh, and, and like this as his, as unbridled Miyazaki and also as his, his kind of wish fulfillment. And then there's another aspect that like, uh, we can bring in, uh, after that, which kind of like cra- crafts the uh, context for why he he made the specific movie, but um, Alex, any any thoughts on that as, as someone going through Miyazaki's kind of catalog recently for the first time? Of the, does does this feel like the most Miyazaki? And how about this is like his his wish fulfillment? Well, two thoughts. First, like you you've mentioned a lot about like the politics of this movie. Uh, I find interesting that when I was watching again, like remember the only. The knowledge I had about this movie was the one line referencing the fascism. So I was going in being like, okay, this is going to be a very political movie. So perhaps because of that expectation, I was kind of surprised that like it's not actually that, at least when I was watching it, there doesn't seem to actually be that much overt commentary. It's mentioned in like the backdrop or in like conversations that don't really affect the, the story. Like he's talking to the to the storekeeper a little bit about the government, but like you could like blink and that scene goes and not, it doesn't really affect anything. So like, I would say that while the politics is there, it feels very much like more of a backdrop than the focus of the movie, which I think is actually, it's how it's supposed to be. Like it's supposed to just be like, as like more of a table setting than anything else. I I agree. It's a a backdrop as opposed to the main plot. Yeah. Right. So like with that said, uh, at least me, like the main thing that I got out of Porco Rosa is like the sense of individualism, the sense of like wanting to like wanting to do things on on, on your own, like you don't need help from anybody else, and somebody and uh, like needing to like cede to other people when they offer their help. So like for example, like we're talking about like the the woman coming in, like poor. Uh, a bit one of the stuff that i would agree is uh, feminist about this is uh, porco like slowly coming to terms with the fact like okay i guess i can let women help like they're actually capable of of doing stuff and, like it, it, you see his it's it's admittedly quick but you see his biases uh, being broken down as he like sees them in action and of course the fio of course uh, she proves herself especially in the second half of the 
in the second half of the movie. So like uh, uh, that, that's my sense. And uh, I guess you could apply it to, to Miyazaki as like a person who like wants to do everything on his own, but like eventually he has this studio where he has to handle like other people doing their own projects. And I like, realizing that's going to help the, the whole industry if he, if he allows people to help, help him out. So like, <laughs> I guess in that sense, but yeah, just like Porco, I I enjoyed seeing like the the stubbornness, and that's something that doesn't even like go. I, what I enjoy is that like his character doesn't change that much throughout, because by the end like he's still kind of a stubborn stubborn pig man. But like at the very least, like he's allowed he's allowed people in like when when he needs the help and people that he wouldn't immediately have gone to, but because they they prove them they prove themselves, he, he's willing to to let them in, and, and you get that like scene where he even like talks to feel a little bit about his past something which seems like he doesn't do to many people do with many people so like uh yeah so i i, I enjoyed uh porco's character and i think that in that that that's what resonated with me the most in terms of, like his the the main uh, point of the story is to like see uh how uh, how he slowly but surely <laughs> get gets his uh, his worldview changed and gains a little bit of, of faith in in humanity <laughs> over time yeah i think that's a valid uh hypothesis on how miyazaki's own life might relate to this character i know for sure that the uh all the women in uh the factory that uh the, the workshop that help him make the the plane are uh probably a tribute to all the female animators at studio ghibli and kind of like it through his uh, experience with seeing uh everyone uh, help uh, make his movie. So I think like his experiences in, in Ghibli are definitely crafting. I mean, and I think I said in the beginning, that's crafting the context for this movie um, and uh, how he's very like worn out by this point. And uh, that's kind of a backdrop to his perspective in making the movie. April, any, any comments on, on like what Alex talked about or this is like a, a, a representation of these core Miyazaki elements. Um. Wow, you you guys covered so much. <laughs> we're, going, we're bouncing around a lot of topics right now. We are. No, um, I I definitely agree with Alex that I think like all of the politics of this movie are very like they're very much like an undertone, um, and they're not really like because that's I think that's the other thing is that everyone's like oh because they they like their correlation is that you know that line, and so I. But, like, again, when you watch the movie, like, I I never even, like, thought of, like, those, like, it being political ever in any of my times watching it. So, that was, I think that's a really interesting perspective. Um, but... Yeah, well, we can we can dive yeah. into this a little bit. Uh, I mean, you know, political in the sense that uh, it's against the rise of fascism in yeah. uh, 30s for, you know, like something we would all be against uh, at this point. But, uh, you know, I think you would relate it to current conflicts, which we can talk about in a second. But uh, my biggest argument against the political perspective, the movie only being a backdrop, although I agree it's generally that because, you know, he wants to create a fun movie at the core. And I don't think he's trying to create a, a political yeah. drama. But there's the scene when... Uh, they're done with the factory, uh, Porco and Fio, uh, escape from the fascist, pol- uh, Italian fascist police, uh, trying to chase them down. You know, it's so, like, there is like the, the anti-fascist, like that is like a component of the plot. And then there's the Italian, uh, air force is, uh, coming to them at the end. And that's all kind of under the, uh, growing rise of fascism in power in Italy at the time. Um, it, it is, it's definitely an influence on the plot, but like the, it's, it's more, the focus is definitely more concerned on Porco's personal journey and kind of what's going on with his conflict with Curtis. 
Um, yeah, there is the better a pig than a fascist is how it's translated in the uh, the official subtitles. But uh, the the other quote is works works better, I think. And then um, you, you do get this line. Well, I think Alex mentioned when he's talking to the the one of the the shopkeepers. Uh, War profiteers are villains. Bounty hunters are just stupid. Uh, the the guy talking to his son after Porco, I think, buys ammo or something from them. Oh yeah, um, the yeah. Store. yeah. So like, there's uh, you uh, you d- you get this um. This you get, like, I, I, small dabs. I yeah, guess. I think I think it's like what's most striking. I would say is that a real life, uh, real life uh, history, political history is a, is the backdrop for this movie. Um, you know, like the the actual locations, and this relates to the setting of the movie. The actual locations, I think, are like kind of fictional, although there's clear parallels between real islands and kind of the islands that they're all on. And so the setting of this movie, I think, bounces from modern like Italian, Croatia, I would say the, the Adriatic Sea kind of separating them. Um, but j- just like a, a actual real life historical context to what's going on, I think provides power and um, like uh, p- potency to the to the messages of uh, lines like this. And I think there is kind of enough of it uh, that uh, it, it does shine through some some, some per- uh, context on the time when Miyazaki's making this movie in 1992. And why he maybe ends up making this movie versus some other ones. So we got to get into uh, br- briefly some some conflicts in the world at the time. Starting, um, yes. Well, just, just before you dive into it, just a, a brief comment on the settings. I do want to point out, like it, it, a lot of times, this reminded me of the settings of like Kiki's Delivery Service and Castle mm-hmm. Cagliostro. Like, there's a lot of similarity in the vibe of that. The main difference is you're using like Milan, like you're using the the names of real yeah. life places. But I would say that, like, I don't. I mean, uh, I think there's just a difference of opinion. I, I don't think that there's much uh, added in terms, of, at least in terms of the setting. Like uh, the 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 effect of like putting you in that time and place, he has really down the general European old style vibe, and I think that comes across whether you name it Milan or you name it whatever, like some other fake name. Like I think that comes across all the same. Uh, the the main thing is the time period. Like you're saying world world war, like that that itself like yeah. do, does make do, does have an effect. We're talking about that. World War One experiences. Yeah, I would say that's mainly yeah. what I'm saying. I also I also do think it's the type of thing that'll shine through more upon multiple subsequent rewatches you know it's the type of thing where i'm watching this movie for the sixth time i'm gonna like focus more on on these more subtle things at this point um so i i I definitely like the main the core of the movie i think will shine through um for the most part on on like most viewings Uh, i I definitely think so 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 get it some some context i think like another aspect getting into like miyazaki's perspective making this movie and we seem to want to go to other topics because this is like not a not a lot of like discussion to get into but i want to like note like uh very much his disillusionment with the world shapes this movie which is interesting because i do think there's a lot of positivity portrayed uh, in the well but but also like porco himself is very disillusioned with the world as well maybe through through his eyes that's why Porco. he's like yeah. maintaining his independence. He doesn't want to join the air force or the or other or the pirates or anything. Like he doesn't agree with anybody's ideology. He's just like I just want to live my life and like not be bothered by any of this. Yeah, 
Um, I think that's a good argument in favor of Porco being kind of this Miyazaki stand-in character. Um, here's a quote from Susan. Uh, well, these these are quotes from Miyazaki quoted in the Susan Napier chapter. So Miyazaki says, uh, we felt the world was getting better bit by bit. Our history was that things would get better. So when Yugoslavian ethnic wars happened, we were dumbfounded. What was going on? Were we just going backwards? These last two years since 1992, I've really been running around in a haze. Uh, he also says, I used to fight constantly with my mother when I was an adolescent about whether people are stupid or not. My mother's cherished opinion was that people were hopeless. I always disagreed, but lately it's unconditional surrender. Um, so him very, uh, done with humanity <laughs> from that quote, it seems yeah. like. Uh, another, another context is the Gulf War also happening around this time. Uh, Susan Napier says Japan's involvement in the Gulf War, while hesitant and piecemeal, seemed to Miyazaki and many others on the left to be a betrayal of the country's pacifist constitution. The high-tech nature of the war and the fact that the scenes of carnage were really shown in the media also greatly disturbed the director. In fact, he went so far as to state that after Kiki, he had been planning a film about young love set in modern Tokyo, but had abandoned that idea. As the critic Koji Okuda puts it, in a world of blood, Miyazaki could not make a movie about youth. Uh, yeah so yeah kind of, uh, i disagree <laughs> yeah, i mean i think not soon after he uh is a, a big component of whisper of the heart so that movie i think will get made soon uh but uh yeah th- this is uh, you know I, I think i think this is going to be relevant getting into wind rises later on too so i think there's probably a lot of parallels between the two but miyazaki uh upset at world events and um and like humanity and so like uh, maybe channels into the character of porco maybe porco maybe why he's making a character uh, a film kind of set with more uh political tones be as we've talked about it's more of a backdrop but for miyazaki this is like way more than we usually see i think and we'll see from from other films this um, is like him being blunt yeah but not really in, in this in this aspect yeah i think well and also like it's important to note we choose an american as the quote yes. like not really antagonist because like it's not like he's like doing necessarily evil stuff I think he's, but he's like the villain he, of the movie yeah like he, he's yeah. the person who's opposing porco in this and like the gulf the gulf war was honestly american stuff also i i'm aware of that time that he didn't show up to the oscars because he was angry at the U.S. for being involved in Iraq. So, like, this is uh, like also like I, I, in addition to being generally anti-war, like which has come out like since Nausicaa, but like also like it does feel like specifically American involvement is is annoying to him. And and, and, and in, even in this movie, like the American is kind of portrayed as like kind of like you know over the top pompous, you know, that, and like that's a reputation that's been gained over the years. But it just it. It it shows that that that, that specifically is kind of like rubbing the wrong way, as we, as it does with many people, I'm sure, around the world. Yeah, I can I can throw it since we're talking about this. I can throw in the the Napier quote on uh, Curtis Miyazaki had also been shaken by the first Gulf War. It's surely no accident. The villain in Porcaroso is Curtis, a bumptious young American who is equal parts arrogance and ignorance, although Miyazaki possibly tried to counterbalance that by making Fio, his secondary female character, a charming young girl, recently returned from America. Um yeah, I, I think we've been talking about the setting and we can kind of conclude talking about Europe uh, and kind, kind of how it ties into this because uh, this is another entry in uh, Miyazaki's Europe movies, which I would say like a majority of his of his movies have been set in Europe at this point. They're always either Europe or Japan. Uh, notably, you're right, like not America. It's always Europe. He, he has a Europe. Uh, he's like a Europe uh, file. He loves it. Uh, not like America. And so I don't think he like, you know, 
that pro- I would say, I don't know if Miyazaki is like a bias against America. I think it's just like America's the one doing all these terrible things throughout well, yeah, when he's making these yeah. movies. If, if you're yeah. anti-war, then by extension, yes. you kind of have to be against <laughs> yeah. these actions America's taking. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, but Kurt, I mean, is there another American character in a Miyazaki movie? I'm trying to, struggling to think of one like Kurt is overtly from well, America. You have to narrow it down what other movies are taking place in the quote real world. With that, like, even that's like very few of them, right? But yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, you could call it like Kiki, you know, not set in the real world, but you know, there's all these European characters, and we know by extension, they, it's kind of Sweden. Um, but the, you know, so you're right, there wouldn't be like in a uh, a parallel for that, but um, I, I vaguely remember in Cagliostro, like, there's that United Nations yes, scene where yeah, like yeah. the American is, qu- is squabbling with the Russian. That, that's another movie that kind of takes place in the real world, kind of, but uh, yeah, yeah. The United Nations, yeah, yeah, there's probably like, an American representative. Um, but yeah, the, the, just this movie has like a, a very much pure, uh, like representation of Miyazaki's obsession with Europe. Um, another entry into there kind of briefly, uh, not super related to this movie specifically, but I wanted to, I thought this was as good of a time to mention it as any, uh, is that we mentioned that basically every one of Miyazaki's movies takes place in either Japan or Europe. Uh, there's not a lot of, uh, different, uh, race representation in these Miyazaki movies. Um, and I think it's worth noting, like, uh, like the, the core explanation would be that a lot of his movies take place in Japan or in like specific locations in Europe. However, there are black people in Japan. Uh, there are, you know, Latinx people in Japan and they don't seem to make their way into Miyazaki movies ever. Um, so I think we kind of talk about Miyazaki as this like amazing feminist director historically. I uh, definitely don't think that that translates uh, to race in his movies. I mean, I think for sure you need to, Keep in mind the contextual differences between America and the rest of the world talking about race. It's kind of different and we don't have like the Japan perspective on anything. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we kind of just see two types of people in Miyazaki movies, Japanese people, European people. Uh, it doesn't really translate into anything else. And and I'd say that's a general fault of just the fantasy genre for many years where, like, he, he, even though, like, it's a totally different place, but, like, it's also been portrayed as whitewashed for so many years that that just has become the default. And that's not something that we should continue to perpetrate. But, like, examples like the Miyazaki filmography is, is like, part of, like, it's a big piece of the fantasy canon. And that, that, that just, like, if that's your, if that's what you imagine when you think of fantasy movie, then that, that ends up leaking into future stuff. And so that, that, that is, um, something to point out as well. Like, just, these are totally different environments, but that, that shouldn't mean that they all look the same. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's true of fantasy movies, but, you know, I think that maybe why I mentioned it in this movie is, you know, this movie's maybe not limited by uh, these types of obscuring factors like that, you know, like there could have just been a black person in this movie and there's just not like there could they're, they're like could have just there are like are different, uh, d- d- different types of people around in this time period. I mean, surely not as much as as current, I guess, but, uh, uh, you know, you could have had portrayed more different types of people considering this is kind of the real world. Um so I, you know, I think it's definitely worth mentioning throughout. Uh, and, and, you know, like, I don't, you know, I agree that it's like, oh, this is a problem of all fantasy films. You know, I, I think 
I hold Miyazaki to the uh, above, like not to any standards of archetypal anything, you know, like it's, it's Miyazaki. This is the, the end of the line. So, you know, like this is, we're going to talk about him on his own in, in this respect. Um, and I, I don't know, we'll see. I'll track throughout the, I, I don't specifically, or maybe I'm forgetting certain characters through the rest of the Ghibli canon. So we can kind of keep this in mind as we go. And if we see any other representations of different types of people, we can, we can talk about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I talked about that in the context of this being Europe. Um, April, any any other comments on like kind of this is Miyazaki's like uh, idealized uh, or like his 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 Europe uh, fantasy and stuff? Maybe like we saw that in Kiki as well. We talked about it there. Um, how do you think it compares to kind of his his portrayal of Europe in Kiki? Similar? Uh, yeah, I would say that it's it's very similar, especially when we actually, I guess, are interacting with the rest of the world. Um, I know we spend a lot of time in the air and um, in his little hideout, but I, I definitely like see this, like all of, especially because he does call out like Milan and and places like that. So it's very similar, very European. He loves Europe so much. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I feel like for this movie, uh, I do for me it, like the the fact that it is kind of grounded in reality more that that like shine. This would be my Miyazaki Europe movie if I had to choose one. Honestly, Cagliostro yeah. too, um, like the, just the castle. But um, mm-hmm. like I, this is what I think of when I think of Miyazaki in Europe, um, and it is like a really because it does take display. place. In Europe. Yeah, it's literally, yeah, literally, <laughs> literally is it, in Europe. Yeah, literally in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Um. We've been. I think we've we've mostly talked about the, the politics. I mean, also there's like the depression as a backdrop, the Great Depression as a backdrop to everything that's happening too. That's kind of mentioned a few times in the movie, um, notable as well. Um, let's let's talk about him as a pig. Uh, <laughs> think we brought oh, you, this you don't up. want to continue the serious conversation with like feminism stuff. We'll just go to pig. Okay, let's sure. talk about the pig in the middle of this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, Alex, so, well, for I, I you first say, time you watch this movie, what is your explanation for why why Marco turned into a pig based on watching the movie? Um, good question. See, the the in what I found very interesting about this movie is that even though it's a pig man, uh, we mention it's a curse, then we don't really come back to that for almost the entire movie until like near the end with like Fio like kissing him, mm. but like uh, uh, for the. Uh, just like him being a pig is doesn't really like affects anything like nobody almost nobody like comments on it except to be to like make pig puns but like nobody like treats him differently so, so wh- why why pig, is he a right? pig then if it doesn't affect the movie because it's fun <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a it, it's an you gotta, it, you gotta make it exciting for people <laughs> yeah and also like it kind it, it also like uh plays into like the individualism of the character like he doesn't feel like doing anything that anybody else want, wants him to do he doesn't want to join the air force he doesn't want to be a part of a group he just wants to do his own thing be a bounty hunter and so like be, being a totally different uh, and like not even being a human is like pushing that to, to the to the full limit there and at, at the same time like it, the the we, the part to me that feels weird is that we do kind of couch it in this like is it a spell and like we we have like the whole kissing thing so like it it also feels like a way of uh, making it feel more fairy tale-y 
which I'm not honestly not that into. Like, I kind of just enjoy the fact that he's a pig and we would, he don't even explain it. Like, that, that'd be just fine with, fine with me. But like, uh, so I, I prefer that it doesn't have uh, much of, much of an explanation. I just like weird movies and like, th- this makes it feel, uh, feel, you know, fantastical a, a lot, uh, in spite of its uh, grounded, realistic setting that we spend like half an hour talking about. Like, just him being a pig, like that, that's, that's a good time. And he, and like, you know, he has those like glass, the dark sunglasses all the time, hiding his little beady eyes. Mm-hmm. And he got his pig snout and it's, it's Great. Yes, yes, so you, love, you love pigs though. then. You did see a pig in person once. Yeah. You have you have, you have seen a pig in person. <laughs> I, I like shows with talking animals. That's just that's <laughs> a just lot of modern animation. I like. Yeah, yeah. So like this this fits right in there. Uh but but yeah, so like uh, I enjoy the pig stuff. I don't think they do that much with like the, the like that there is symbolism there, but it's it's very it's very light. And I'll say that I'm I'm not that much of a fan of like the whole like spell stuff that we like briefly t- t- touch on. Well, good thing it's like barely in the movie. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's really, yeah. okay yeah so I, I like your point about how this like you were talking about how grounded this movie is in reality and then the main character is a pig so it's kind of a fun contrast yeah yeah, yeah. that got its and core like, maybe that's why it just mixes it up a little bit you yeah know? April, april april how about these two questions so like i okay. why why is in the context of the movie what's your reason what's your read on the plot as to why he's a pig and then also like why did miyazaki just make him a pig like uh in a meta sense <laughs> so okay uh wow there's a lot of like thoughts racing through my head so give, give us all like, of them. okay so i i like that he's just a pig and i i think it's funny that like well so because it's like a realistic setting and then um everyone's just like accepted the fact that he's a pig like this is something that happens every day well i mean not every day because they do you know say like oh it's the pig pilot and stuff like that but i like that it's just like it's just it exists um i think it's like funny because they're like oh it's a curse or whatever and it's like okay i guess like whatever and we just move on with our day so i really like that aspect if i had to like try and put con text or I'll give it a reason why he was turned into a pig um I you could say that like it's because he it acts like a pig towards women and I'm mm. like to get into like the because he I mean he is a little bit sex uh, well he's not a little bit he is very sexist towards um you know women and has a lot of comments about uh, their capabilities and like their place in the world kind of situation. So maybe it's like one of those like, oh, well, because you can't respect women, you're going to be a pig. And that's why like, he sh- like feels like, oh, well, maybe if I give you a kiss on the cheek or something, and it's like, no, 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 it's not that kind of curse. Like, it's not about finding love. It's about like, me me as an individual kind of thing so but i guess it like also gives it like that fantasy aspect as well because again we're like in a real world setting we're talking about like 
there's undertones of real world like events that have taken place that and that are going on in the world and so it just kind of makes it lighthearted at that point too um and who doesn't love a grumpy pig so, <laughs> yeah that's what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> alex is on board with the grumpy pig <laughs> but I, if i had to like say why i would say that it's probably because of like his attitude towards women and to like his like views on the world yeah that, that's uh, an interesting I, I, take specifically he's like a sexist pig like literally that's an interesting literally <laughs> yeah I, I i'd say I, I agree with the the idea of it be like also being a, a extension of just general stubbornness maybe not like directly him being piggish towards women although that that is the case but like more like that that's an extension of just like his entire personality of like being like doubtful of anybody being capable of doing anything uh also but i would say with regards to women it isn't noticeable that the the times we we see him as a man is in that picture with uh, with Gina from the past as well as we get that flashback of him flying the plane with like Gina when they're kids so like I think that another possible interpretation is as well like him drifting apart from Gina over the years and he's gone so so far uh, far off emotionally that he has become this pig and so like the day he becomes a human will be the will coincide with the day that he finally decides to go uh, engage again with with Gina so like uh, it's just the, the few times that we get of him as a human I, I think that that also would uh, contribute to any case you make of why he's a pig in the first place okay that's another another good one maybe as uh, the pin being a pig representative of his separate his distance from Gina something something like that um yeah. Uh, so I, I always thought I've always kind of bought the in in universe explanation of so the only time I think this is the one line is Gina when they're having dinner towards the beginning of the movie says I wish I could release you from that spell right and I think that's right. literally it I mean Theo speculates that maybe if I kiss you I'll break the curse but it's like clearly he didn't tell her anything factual about that you know like she's just yeah. uh, she's just kind of uh, <laughs> speculating so. Uh, I always like in my head it was always like okay it was a curse by a witch at some point in the past and that's it we don't talk about it but upon rewatch here they really it, it might not be that here's and these symbolic explanations I think are actually valid Susan Napier she says we never really do find out what transforms Marco into Porco we assume it's some kind of magical manifestation of survivor's guilt combined with Marco's contempt for the human for a human race that can produce a fascist ideology and a war that sacrifices thousands of young men for nothing but we are never told so explicitly so this is her explanation is uh well, it's kind of like a combination of the stuff that we said right yeah i mean it's, it's yeah i all just the very like uh broadly his views on the world kind of like a, it's a manifestation of that um I'd say another thing that goes against the spell interpretation is that there is a moment bef- before the kiss happens where where Theo like t- looks up what was she's like sleeping and she sees uh, she sees Porco but in ma- man form for a brief second before like she like uh, she gets noticed and then he turns back into pig but like the point like the fact that that's happening in like a relaxed setting and like he is preparing for something so like I don't know if that that contributes to anything but just the fact that it happens before you know the kiss like kind of like detracts from the possibility that that was actually what what, what fits anything maybe yeah, it's I, like a glamour 
And that's <laughs> just a Game of Thrones actually... situation. Uh... No, like maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> he, maybe he doesn't actually look like a pig. That's just how everyone else sees him. Yeah, and I mean, so... it's, yeah, sure. Like, I, you know, I think you can interpret that Fio scene as just like she's that's her her seeing something like in her own yeah. head, and it's not literal. I think that's oh, possible. Um, in in terms of like uh, why Miyazaki did this, I think like the obvious explanation, if you look into the history of the movie, is he had a manga with a bunch of pigs as characters, and he adapted one of them into a movie, so he kept that aspect. Yeah, so it's, it's the he so it's just like it, he could have he could have changed it though, and they made a major feature, and he kept that really weird aspect. And he's been asked a lot of times, why is this? A, this is probably one of his most common questions, like why is this a pig? Miyazaki does not answer things straight, so we really don't get a good a good explanation for. From him, I think he, uh, a lot of t- his default answer is kind of just it's fun, you know, like like that is kind of what he says. Exactly, and that, that that's my thing yeah. with like in general with like animal stuff. Like if you've listened to this podcast before, we've had this discussion with Dylan about shows like Amphibia. Like there's the thing of like why are they frogs? But you know, it doesn't have to be an explanation. Like just animal animal people are fun, and like we can explore like the different attributes of nature and like how anthropomorphized anthropomorphize stuff we can get. I will say though. Lots of missed opportunities with pig. I mean, well, maybe not missed opportunities, but they have a lot of restraint in terms of, like there's not actually that much like pig jokes. Like he doesn't there's like a few, wink. There's a few yeah. pig like, jokes. There, there's like there's some, but there's not like puns, like... right? Or like wordplay, but like there's no like winking. There's no like tail stuff. You know, like they don't actually do anything with like the pig body per se. It's so in that sense that they, they actually kind of restrain themselves in terms of like you know it's a pig, but we're not really going to talk about him being a pig. <laughs> It's it's restrained, yeah. Um, so I think for the most part, like Mizaki would say, it's fun. Uh, you know, there's a there's this brief interpretation in the Napier chapter. Porcaroso means red pig uh, in right. the translation. Yeah, you know, red communist uh it's it's you know like so, miyazaki kind of has these socialist communist beliefs at one <laughs> at one point he is in a size like uh, in making this uh, the film all this disillusionment and regret piled up i had the feeling i will be the last red and this the vision became that of a single pig flying alone not clear if he's joking but there's a potential explanation for um him being uh, the, the, the last communist uh I mean, so also I, he was a war pig so he had the blood of his fellow soldiers okay. uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it, the the end. Conclu- oh, and here's the last aspect the pig on discusses at the end. Uh, Curtis is like, "Wait, let me see your face." Right, and that's after yeah. Theo kisses. After uh, Theo kisses him, what happened? Not, nothing. He's still a pig. Is he still a pig? Like, uh, if I read the Wikipedia summary and, the expl- and it said, uh, Curtis, much like Theo, sees him briefly as a pig. I always but interpreted this ending. We don't, but we don't see that, though. That I always interpreted this ending as he changed back fully. Didn't I? I, I think he fully. I think he's not a pig anymore at the end. Of well, the I think the problem is that the. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I heard the dub does this differently, but the sub leaves it ambiguous at the end yeah. of like. Definitely, it's definitely if, ambiguous. If, if, yeah. he's, if he's come back and stuff, so like I. I think that the point is to be ambiguous so like I, I'm, I'm not sure that like him turning back fully would make sense with uh, what happens after so um yeah but i, I yeah we don't see him so like <laughs> how, how would anyone know yeah april does yeah. he turn back um i like to believe that he doesn't turn back what okay yeah because like 
I don't know. I think, like, the whole point of it, like, leaving it ambiguous and everything is to kind of give, like, that sense of hope at the end of the movie. You know, like, oh, well, like, if Porco can become Marco again, like, anything can happen when pigs fly. Ha 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 ha. No pigs fly joke. I guess that's in English. No, song, he though. did say he had to go fly at one point. Yeah, yeah. That, that was like, there. this pig has to fly. And I was like, who, who, right. know, who knows how that works in Japanese, though, honestly? But, that must be like a universal metaphor, though. Yeah, that, I feel like uh, that's a universal thing. Uh, Someone who also, Japanese maybe control. this is just like Miyazaki being a huge troll, making him a pig. He's like, haha, that pig's flying. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's definitely a big troll. So I think like, yeah. him him making Porco a pig and then not really saying why, I think, is is his troll move. Um, but but I I mean I I don't know. I think that Cardus like has like a brief moment like Theo did and sees him as a human and so which could you know you could interpret it as you know being symbolic as them accepting Porco as who he is or some you know something along those lines but I mean I don't know it's kind of one of those things like does it really like matter because we didn't really care that he was a pig for the entirety of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair point. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you, you could interpret it as uh, Theo kisses him on the cheek before and it doesn't turn him back. But this is like a kiss on the lips. I, I like for me, there's like a difference there, but maybe there should, there isn't like uh, in the turning someone back from a thing. And maybe just turn and probably it's not the kiss that would turn him back anyway. It's kind of this... Uh, this release of internal whatever's going on with the uh, the end of the climax of the movie. If you buy into this, it's a manifestation of his uh, internal being. That's kind of the reason he's a pig. I think he turns back. But let's talk about the rest of the ending, because it is ambiguous, and that is the ultimate point, is it's ambiguous. Um, Theo, at the end, narrates about everyone's future. Um, I think, as we're seeing a few times, Miyazaki gives epilogues to all of his movies, basically, um, which I think in modern times, epilogues are kind of seen as like weak sauce narrative. But here's the master and he does have epilogues. So I hope people <laughs> can note that. Uh, but usually it happens in the credits. But th- for this movie, the credits are like very um, like serious and uh, pr- like uh, I love them. Like they really fit the movie, I think. But so they, like we have the the kind of epilogue stuff like right before that. Um, she says uh, she, well, she, she like Porco like um, forces uh, her to leave with Gina. And she says she never sees porco again and uh, but she's like friends with with gina and like curtis is a hollywood star and she she runs uh the the workshop and she but she visits the hotel every summer um i don't know how to piece all these things together with uh, her never seeing marco uh consider well, it like well, there, there's them. She, she said she never saw porco again so maybe oh, she just saw marco porco not porco. As marco yeah it's interesting um, but he, she also kind of like, and, and then she's like, did Gina and, uh, Marco end up together? Like, that's a secret, you know? So, but if, but if they did, then she'd see him if she was visiting the hotel every summer, I feel like. Unless he's hiding in the basement. Yeah. I mean, I think like this is, I mean, this can tie into our discussion on feminism as our last major topic too, which, um, this to me, him putting, uh, Theo in the boat and like never seeing her again is her is his uh 
Cagliostro Clarice moment where he doesn't uh, like Clarice like wants to be with him and he says no and leaves, you know, like he he's exploring this older male protagonist like uh, with a with a uh, like a child having feelings for them, but like at the end doesn't go through with it kind of subverting what kind of more gross uh, type of like these types of movies will do at the end. Um, so I, I, I see that very similarly. Um, but I, I, I think it's, uh, and you could argue that that's kind of a feminist ending to this, uh, you know, like we don't real Marco's never really expressing any, any sort of interest in, in Fio. And I keep, I know I keep switching back and forth between Marco and Porco. Um, and, uh, so, so does the, so does Fio. Fio switches back. There you or go. Gina, well, yeah. Gina, didn't Gina always call him Marco though? I think probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, but she, yeah, she knew him when he was, you know, Marco. I don't know. Why yeah. does he need to change his name to Porco when he becomes a pig? I feel like just keep your name. Um, no, Porco's no, cuter. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta lean into it. Lean now. into it. Yeah, yeah I guess yeah. that's how you avoid Pork being bullied. Yeah. Pig, come on now. Especially if you're a bounty hunter, you gotta have a catchy name. That's true. Yeah. I think it's probably his bounty hunter name. Yeah. Porco um, <laughs> Yeah. So, so Theo, like I, I struggle with Theo in this movie. Um, I mean, Theo's great. I think she's a great character. But the difference between a Kiki, which is from the perspective of Kiki, and like most of his movies are from the perspective of the young heroine. This movie takes on the perspective of the middle-aged man, Porco. And as as I've kind of alluded to with these Susan Napier quotes, I think there is an, an, an element of desire permeating this portrayal of Theo, even if their relationship is never inappropriate, even if she's never really sexualized by the movie, um, you know, she's, she's like, like this idealized, like young girl, whether it like weeds into in a romantic or sexual sense or not, it's just like this view of, of her from this, this male perspective. And I think like it, it, it at the very least is very different from his uh, his other perspectives of female heroes um and uh and you complicate that with feel like liking porco um and like i said it is very similar to clarice and um in cagliostro with with the hero but to me this is this is more questionable alex we and we talked about that movie but i i feel like this movie um maybe it's because it does more with it maybe it's because feels more of a component of the movie um, I, I don't know. It's it's more. It weeds more into this uh, murky territory for me, right? Um, and also, I I I begin bringing up this the 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 seaplane people here because like they, their relationship to Fia is very similar to like the Sky Pirates in Castle in the Sky. Yes, and, that's like, that's the comparison I was gonna uh, make too. Yeah, and so like, like even there, uh, it was felt a bit weird to me, and like this feels like the the extension of it, where like there's this like fascination with <laughs> like, ooh, a girl, <laughs> like, but like that's kind of their their only thing <laughs> throughout the movie, um, and and like the thing is, I enjoy Porco as a main character, but because of that, like the stuff with Fio feels like. Um, there's like parts that work okay, like when they're when they're flying to get gas, you know, and they're they're talking about like you, you gotta understand their situation and stuff, and they have banter. So like that that's all fine and all, but then like you, when it when it gets to like uh, more 
that more of Theo's fascination specifically to uh, to to Porco or, or Marco, um, like that that part does does feel a bit off. And so like I I I'd agree I, I enjoy Theo as a character, but at the same time I, I don't think that she's as uh, strong uh, of a character as a previous uh, um, Miyazaki female leads. Uh, be, uh, on the basis of like her, her being treated more like a like a side character in this movie, so um, she yeah like she, I, I like her. She has her moments, but uh, but stuff with with her um, that does feel a bit weaker than in other movies. And it should be noted, uh, for, you know, we mentioned Fio kisses him on the cheek, and then at the end does kiss him, and again it's Fio. It's this is Fio's representation of her feelings, and you know, Parko is not indulging in that, and the fact that the end he actively distances uh, himself from her, which like of well, course, like, oh, of course well, is and the, the thing the right is that it it happens from Fio's even introduction as a character, because like the very first thing we see is like her showing up, and then the the dad being like, hey, hands off. So it's like that. That's yes. kind of like hanging over the relation, the their their interaction for the entire movie, because that's how you're introduced. Her. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah. I think that's a great point. That is kind of an introduction. April, April, how do you see Theo? So Theo is <sighs> okay. So you immediately, I want to say that she's portrayed completely in the opposite light um, as our previous female leads, such as Kiki and so on and so forth. Um, But again, that it is because those movies that come from the female perspective. And it feels like in comparison to this, it feels like it's an idealized like version. Like, like, it would be incredible if like a man would just like, again, at at this time and everything, like it would be such a high compliment for a man to be like, and I'm just going to use Kiki as an example but um, what's his face? He like he praises her all the time. Like he's so fascinated with her like ability to function, um, and especially because she's a witch. But but then we have like Theo, and like she is very capable. She's good at what she does, but yet she doesn't like get that like praise or recognition. I mean, she gets it from her grandpa, but it's very much like it's because. she's his granddaughter versus like just being a capable capable mechanic and um like aircraft aircraft designer so uh which (laughs) which is why like i i don't like the whole like theo like if she even really develops feelings for porco um maybe she's you know, obviously she's fascinated with him because of his, you know, his claim to fame in the aviation world or in this fantasy world. Um, but which I get, I get to bring up why the the dub is more problematic for me than the sub is, is because in the dub, like, man, Porco's laying it on thick and they're really driving home fa- the fact that, like, you can't be with this woman like you know like and he's like with this cute girl you know and says all of these like like i guess they're like supposed to be nice but they're kind of derogatory especially whenever he whenever he keeps calling her a cute girl and i'm like can you stop like stop calling her a cute girl like she's a capable woman she's out here making planes um so, but in the sub, you you kind of get that, but you don't get it as heavy as it is um, in the dub. 
Yeah, I think I think he does call her that at least once in the sub. I, for me, in like Japanese, that's more of a normal thing to say, like yeah. uh, cute girl. But yeah, in English, that that I think that comes across in a different way. Yeah, in English, it definitely comes across in a different way. And maybe it's just how like Michael Keaton decided to, you know, deliver those lines or whatever. But like it, it felt more derogatory in the dub versus the sub. So but even still, like all of, you know, I have such complicated feelings about Theo. Yeah, because because she's great, right? Like she's yeah, like she's a she is a she is an amazing like if you just look at her as just a character, she's an amazing character. But when you look at her from like Porco's like perspective, like she has a lot to prove. You know, she is a young girl. You know, she's mildly attractive. I'm assuming. Um, yeah, and like especially because he like makes comments about like her complexion and stuff like that like come on like can you not <laughs> there yeah. are more to there's more to her than like her nice skin and, and how yeah, she which, looks which he like learns a little bit as the movie goes on a little bit and so it's kind of like a plot line yeah like he learns a little bit and there's a lot to be said about like Porco just accepting the assistance from women as well, because you like whenever, you know, all, all of the family starts to come, all of the women of the family start to come and like build the plane and everything like that. He's just like, well, why aren't there men? The men are doing other jobs. Okay. We'll tell them to come back. And it's like, no, like if you want your plane fixed, it's going to be fixed by women, like deal with it kind of thing. So I guess it's nice that like, his friend i guess initiates that but it's never like blatantly said and again he still has like issues with like oh well make sure you get sleep at night theo like whatever let her stay up all night and then go fix your play <laughs> like yeah and even like the comment like okay it could be like taken that he was trying to be helpful by saying like oh if you change it like half a degree or something like that like Mm, that seems like you're like trying to check her work kind of like oh you think you're good you should probably adjust that so it's i don't know <laughs> yeah well I like so yeah no i think these are great points for me there's like two kind of things here which is one porco being just like a sexist character um like yeah. i think that is um can be okay. I think it is realistic. Well, um, well, and, and even even like in the beginning, like the very beginning where he goes to save, you know, all of those kids, it's not that, oh, this is a job for you to do. He only, especially in the dub, he only gets up after whoever says, oh, there's uh, schoolgirls on the plane that need to be saved. And he's like, okay, I'll go do it. Like, <laughs> yeah like, i mean know, at the, the, yeah, i think the, that's the, the sub specifically just uses school tour group so yeah i, I think, like, think it's like he has to yeah that's like displaying his, he's not interested in in helping unless it's like the for this altruistic cause but um yeah like just just like the displaying of him as like just a sexist guy um first of all very unique in kind of miyazaki's canon i don't think there's really many displays of sexism um in in, in his movies we can track that as we go i guess um but, uh, you know, I think I think there's like that. And then there's like just the movie's perspective through the lens of Porco. It's like Theo is o we're only able to see Theo 
through Porco and through this movie. And it's not just Porco. It's like, as we've been talking about this movie being kind of the most unbridled Miyazaki, it's kind of like the male Miyazaki's male gaze onto the, the, this character and this, this, these, this movie in general. Um, I think there's like a different way you do it where, you know, you can have like a problematic main character, um, and show that that's more clearly wrong. Uh, but let me bring in the Susan Napier quote this uh, on this to this kind of like uh, brings up a few things, a few aspects of this, I think, are relevant. She says, in Porco Rosso's wish fulfilling male fantasy, Theo and Gina occupy two ends of Miyazaki's dream continuum, the complicated, resourceful and beautiful older woman and the cute, vivacious and also resourceful young girl. Naturally, they both love Marco and he responds to both of them. Gina's professional accomplishments and Theo's mechanical expertise make them more than simply idealized cardboard cutouts, however. One of the movie's most charming twists is that they become lifelong friends. Um, so there, I think the beginning contains some, some, like, comments on the perspective of the movie, which I want to get into, but it should be noted, uh, these, these are both, like, really good characters, Theo and, Theo and Gina, com- containing, like, a lot of depth to them. So even in kind of like you could argue Miyazaki's most male perspective work, uh, the you know the numbers two and three characters are like pretty well characterized women, um, and yeah, this 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 thing at the end, this notion that they they be, they stay friends forever, it is kind of like uh, and she never sees the guy again. I think that's a pretty uh, a pretty cool ending, a pretty cool take on that. And like we and like I mentioned before, definitely the most overtly feminist aspect of this movie is the scene when when all the women women come to work on the plane from grandmothers to like children. Um, that's like incredibly striking. Um, and um, that like feels super Miyazaki that scene, and it's it's really good. Um, but the, I like super agree with what Susan Napier says. Is this is like the the wish fulfillment male fantasy you get like. Uh, the, the idealized like young young girl and the idealized older woman and like clearly these characters occupy there's like archetypes for both of these characters throughout Miyazaki's films but these are like th- for me this movie is like his perspective kind of f- finally coming out because y- you you look at the previous movies and most of his other movies and you're like how can he be so feminist like it's this old fashioned like Japanese man of a f- of a past era like how is how are his movies so fan so feminist that's like it's really hard to grasp and i think like it's not because he's this crazy different person like i think he does have these you know he is who he is like you can't like truly like escape from like being from bygone era and learning certain ways and i feel like that finally comes out in this movie like like truly we finally see that this is a part of miyazaki and even at his most male perspective this is not like the most sexist movie ever. And it's not even arguably fairly sexist, depending on your perspective on it. But I feel like we're finally seeing his kind of wish fulfillment scenario, like here with, with Theo and Gina. And, you know, it, in, in, like I've said, speaking to like, to, to Miyazaki in a positive way, even in this wish fulfillment scenario, he has two powerful, great, great women as kind of the, the wish fulfillments. Um, however, it's like here we get to see the perspective of that wish fulfillment, you know, he, and he really keeps it in check almost every other movie, almost every other thing he makes. And he like approaches it the right way from, from like, uh, from usually young girls perspectives or sometimes like slightly older women's perspective. 
Um, and like he, he totally is. The, and like, but this movie is, it's finally, uh, it, it like really comes out. And I, I think there's an argument that like, you can't do this movie without being true to that kind of perspective. Like, what is this movie with the sanitized version of this? Like, it, it would, it, it's, it's, if it's like, if you're going to do the more sanitized version, you make it from Theo as the main character, you know, like, yeah. I, I, like it, it, it does feel yeah. right to it, to a certain extent because, you know, it is Porco and he does kind of suck. And like, so approaching the, the perspective of this movie from this, this wish fulfillment perspective, um, it's, it, it, I don't know if it's like, right, but it like, it feels like it fits at the very least. Uh, I just say, um, looping back to where we started on comparing this to like a forties old Hollywood thing. I think that part of the reason that he's been able to restrain himself from romance for so long is because like it, for, for the most part, he's been focused on like a totally different environment, like a story that requires a lot of attention. But putting this in the real world and put and basing it around like that aesthetic kind of like invites romance because like the, that was a big thing of these types of like wartime movies because you always needed like the male lead in addition to the action stuff to have like some kind of quote anchor like keeping him grounded to life and that was always a love interest so like in because of the, we're, we're doing like an old-fashioned movie it makes sense that we're getting like old, old more old-fashioned views than we did in previous movies like you're talking about the archetypes of like an older resourceful woman and a young uh, vibrant woman like that's pretty much like nausicaa right like that's like the yeah, first thing that comes to for me where like yeah but like the difference is like nausicaa a is the main character mm. but b like has like her own goals and like a, a way lost so much more agency whereas, right here theo exists primarily to support mm. porco's uh, porco's goals and so because of that theo doesn't get like as as much to um display her uh her her own uh, personality you know uh we we get the moment when she's like turning uh the the sky pirates uh on using her her logic of like hey you need to like show us like like using their machismo against them mm. and like that that's like a, pr- a pretty good moment for fio and of course like we we get like her convincing porco that she can she can do the the job of designing stuff uh, i'll say like the 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 part where she's talking about like Hey, like, what's the most important thing to to building? Is, is it knowledge? And like, no, it's inspiration. Well, there you go. Like, I don't have knowledge, but I have like the the, the inspiration to do it. Like that 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 in itself is like kind of at least to me like a big deal in terms of you know like that those are opportunities that will usually only go to males. That like, oh, I don't ha- I don't know how to do this, but I I can, I'm gonna like will my way into this job. And you know, having having a woman do that like that's at least a little different than like how it goes in real life. So like. I, I, I just like there are feminist moments, but I just think that the romantic angle it fits very well with Gina, and that's why like I like the Porco Gina uh, aspect in part because yeah. like th- there's like a more um th- there's more distance going on there, there's more wistfulness, there's a little bit more of a history. Whereas here with, with, with Theo, like Theo has just met Porco, and all of a sudden is an an hour there. So like I think there's a way to do this right. But I don't think that Theo is the is just it, Theo being like in that uh, like 
old old enough to begin entertaining this but still pretty young like that's like just a, ba- a bad <laughs> a bad a bad chemistry going on there it's so, like either you make you make her older and like you flesh out her backstory a little bit more or you just like like get rid of the of the romance towards porco entirely and just focus on gina so like it, it's very close and that's why like uh, like i think that this is an okay movie but like the the feel stuff is like just off enough where like it kind of it kind of messes up that 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 second half a little bit so um so like there i i think this is summarizing your thoughts as as well there are feminist moments but there are also like parts like because of the way that the care that fio is positioned so closely to porco's goals that kind of limit her as a character as well um i i kind of want to make a little bit of a distinction between romance which miyazaki basically disavows throughout most of his filmmaking career um but yeah fio kind of like has romantic feelings towards Broca. i think like the desire like the pers- the desire of the perspective like yeah it's the problem that fio like has these feelings for porco but like if it was portrayed i feel cuz i feel like cagliostro does it better where it's kind of portrayed as just like she's a kid and she has these feelings and and but the, you know like that movie like has some this element too not to like say it's like amazing in this sort of aspect but well uh, and and Cagliostro has Fujiko as well which we we praise as like a a pretty feminist character because like she's like she has more of her own age even though like there's a main male character but she's kind of doing her own thing on the side and she's still pretty cool at it yeah. like she even and though I, I do I do think Gina character. Hat plays that role in this movie you know she 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 gets the signal yeah. she goes to alert them she has her scene with curtis where she's like rejecting him you know gino does get to do stuff um but yeah it's just it's just the fact that you can tell that porco like sees fio from this like romantic lens even if he's rejecting her like it's just that that's an aspect of his perspective on her and that's the movie's perspective on her like i feel like that's the ultimate um but the difference is ultimate like sin i guess but i i guess the argument i was kind of trying to make at the end um and i realize this is a very weird argument but uh i feel like at least it's truthful like like mizaki like if mizaki could be a little bit more restrained with this um and it's i don't think he's restrained in his other movies i think he just shifts the perspective but if you're gonna show this perspective of porco it feels genuine the fact that this movie looks at Fio from this lens, because that's how society does look at Fios in our world. Um, I was going to say, especially when you take, like, you consider, like, the the time of which this movie definitely takes in this place. Period, like, yeah. that's exactly how women were viewed. They were viewed as these agents to, if they weren't going to fall within, like, the traditional roles for women, um, because it was not, like, widely accepted that women went to go work in factories um, and to pick up, you know, all of, I don't want to say, like, pick up the slack from the men leaving to go do other jobs and things. Mm. But, like, they definitely, like, stepped up and, you know, did the work, um, you know, as well as men, if not as better than men. And then, but people still had like a hard time, I guess, accepting it. So, and I think there's also something to be said, like, okay, like Porco, like you, um, you know, it, when you're flying the plane, like you weren't the one who built the plane, like, you know, and that's what, like, I guess was winning you the fight up to a certain extent, but then, and this is like extreme feminism, like thought process too, but you know, like 
those women didn't get credit for building that plane. Like Porco got credit for winning his fight or whatever um, in the air. But I guess like that dissolves because they start, you know, the fist fight in the water. So that's different. (laughs) But yeah, but then like, I mean, you also have to take into account too the fact that like, if Curtis wins, he gets to marry Theo. Like Theo is okay. put up, put up as a prize. She yeah, puts herself like up as a up, prize. Yeah, and her worth is that of the work done by other. You know, the value of the work done on Porco's plane. So I mean, that's not a great comparison to make. But again, like that goes into like the whole like like dowry situation which i mean still exists to this day in some parts of the world but i mean at that time i believe that it still it still existed to a a large extent so yeah i i i think it's 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 totally true that this speaks to the time period i also think like it, the it speaks to now too i think we still view fios like 17 year old girls in like a sexualized sense as as like like this like and I want to compare this to a current event where um there's like a been like a little bit of a reckoning in the art slash kind of comics industry um about men who groom younger women uh like at, at ages like Theo um into like sexual relationships and like the pressure of industry in, of the industry um and. So I think it's like as relevant as ever, this type of thing. And I think that what Porco does at the end of the movie is he kind of like goes the opposite route of he does not groom Theo. He pushes her away. He tries to push her away before. Like he doesn't want her to come on the plane, but, you know, the movie forces it on like which, you know, it's the movie's perspective on it. But then like he he, like puts her on the the ship, never talks to her again, you know. And so I, I think like. Like I, there's an element of truth of truthfulness to the perspective that it's portraying, and then it shows like how even a problematic guy like Porco should like eventually also like reacts in the situation by not going down that route. Like yeah. it's not like my favorite type of movie. Like I'd rather see the female main character. I'd rather see um, like not this type of sexism or problematic perspective portrayed. But like I do think there's some 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 power to this authentic portrayal. Um, and seeing how the characters react, ultimately react in in kind of a, a non terrible sense to 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 what happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I definitely i i i would i agree with that assessment, especially you know bringing up the whole like grooming of women that does take place today. Um, so I I would definitely agree with that. It's just kind of like nice that I mean yes, again, Porco can be problematic and you know, is a sexist character, but at the end, it's, I mean, he is, I guess, like, fighting for Theo to have her freedom to not be married, which, I mean, is still kind of sexist, like, let Theo fight her own battles, but also, like, the fact that he puts her on the plane, um, and leaves and never sees her again, I mean, like, while that, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't call that a sad ending. I would call that a very happy ending for her, especially because she does get to become friends with Gina and they're, you know, they become such good friends that they're in each other's lives until the end. So, um, which you also, I guess, kind of don't see as much portrayed 
Um, cause a lot of the times media likes to pit women against each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why it's it, like a striking ending <laughs> with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's very striking uh, because again, like you just don't really get to see that. They often would like pit women. Like I love that Gina and Theo don't feel threatened by the other person in any way, shape or form. So yeah, I, I agree. And and I to conclude this, I realize that the argument I'm making is like kind of a little bit of a weird and different argument from the ones I do typically portray. And I don't think I'm saying like what I'm what I was talking about with like the power of being authentic to that is uh, is right. I think you, if you disagree with it, like totally, I, I don't even fully accept that. Like, like I said, <laughs> it's a difficult movie for me to process, like even still. But um, like if Alex is like it didn't, you know, ultimately the there's parts that don't work for me. I'm like it still does for work for me. So I was kind of trying to explain why and why I still do think this movie's great. Um, but it is it, it like, is challenging. It works. It it it's a it works. But yes, it's challenging. Um, because I I, I mean compared to like other Miyazaki films, you know. We ha- we do get it from the woman's perspective. And so having it, you know, from Porco's perspective, I mean, you're obviously going to see that change in, I guess, how the world is viewed. Um, but, I mean, it's kind of one of those, like, coming to an acceptance of, like, this is what it was. You can't necessarily change that. Um, yeah, but it, as, as it, a, ge- a generous... Uh take on what the movie's doing yeah yes (laughs) which could be true but yeah the positive perspective take on what the movie's doing i guess yeah alex anything else on this topic um just uh, one cagliostro i think does this all a lot better while still also being like in a in an old-timey setting like it just it it handles this stuff a a lot smoother i think so like the idea that just because we're in the old setting excuses it, I'm not like I, I just can't be totally on board with that because I've seen Miyazaki do better with this <laughs> with a with a similar premise. I mean, it's but that's excusable. It's just, just, just like context. yeah, like j- j- just yeah, just um context, yeah. But um, also like I don't want to lose the thread. Porco, Porco, like improve. It's it's small, but Porco improves as a character over the mm. course of this movie, and like that, I think is something important to the to the interpretation of uh, of of him like we can say he's a problematic character because of like the sets of stuff uh he says especially in the first half of the movie but i think that the movie does a good enough job of showing that over time he comes to accept that uh, the the new the new worldview as he's forced to come back into society and like he accepts uh, Theo's to help Theo is the one who like devises this whole plan uh, of of challenging Curtis again and offering herself up and he goes with it you can argue that he should maybe like step in to to stop this but at the same time like she's allowing Theo to make her own decisions in that sense as well so like it, it just like and of course at the end like he makes the final decision to like put, put her away because she, he realizes where where that's going so like i i just uh, i on the whole i think that it remains a feminist movie just because like uh, while it does display sexism in different parts i think that overall the the, the movie does a good job of showing uh porco improving in that aspect over the course of the movie yeah, do think he improves and like we were talking about kind of like bookended with his decision with with Theo um, at then. 
Um, kind of to wrap up the Cagliostro comparisons, I agree that Cagliostro handles this type of thing better. It's do it's just it's different still because of the different perspective. Like I, I was kind of talking about, and and like uh, for content, I do think Porco would be for me a better movie than Cagliostro, but mostly for other reasons. You know, like. Like we haven't talked a lot about the plane scenes, which I think are incredible, spectacular animation. Just I think the surrounding political context in this movie makes this movie really, really strong in a way which uh, uh, Cagliostro treats kind of whimsically with with stuff that's going on. But it, that's kind of like what it's going for, you know. It's kind of like a different genre of movie. Um, you know, like I think the characters are strong, stronger in this movie, et cetera, et cetera. It's like I think this movie has a lot. Just to, as a quick, not to make the point being comparing it to Cagliostro, but just kind of like the strengths of this movie, they don't necessarily hit on a ton because I do think Theo and Gina. As I talked about, really good character. I think Porco is is I like I'll talk about a really really great main character. Um, so uh, you know, I think Curtis is a really fun villain. Um, the the Mama Aito uh, head is ends up being really funny. Um, uh, the 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 scene with him uh, like knocking everyone else out of the way to take the picture. Um, oh, that, that's like, a good shot. Yeah, it's yeah. like one of my biggest <laughs> la- laughs in a Miyazaki movie. Honestly, um, it is in the context of all these these grown pirates lusting over the seventeen year old girl, which again, yeah. sim- similarity <laughs> to uh, similarity to uh, I mean, you know, it's like playful version of like lusting or whatever. But you know that that's what we assume is at the core, but uh, badly. But um, yeah, like that you can make the comparison to Castle in the Sky. More creepy in that movie because it's a thirteen year old girl there here uh, in in there, but. Um, it's also even more playful, I guess, in that movie. Um, but this is this is kind of like the the another recurring element that Miyazaki isn't shows sometimes of like uh, older men like uh, l- focusing on at the very least girls, um, which is like weird in the context of the rest of his feminism is probably like truthful i guess like in in how the world works um but it's it's interesting and then it comes it's played for comedic purposes i think we talked about it a little bit in, in that movies podcast too okay um quickly some some things to to start to wrap up april any plain comments on how this movie handles i planes? would love to know like the extent of miyazaki's aviation knowledge because like it it felt very accurate um and like like wonderfully animated as well like i felt like you could i could have been watching a like actual movie of a dog fight or something along those lines so i like that we kind of kept it grounded in a sense that um you know, they weren't doing like crazy flips all over the place, which would not happen, especially with that type of aircraft. But <laughs> um, so I I just think that that's a, like a lovely thing is that he could be true to the um, yeah, I guess the care like the industry um, and also. I think that the American Curtis is like a nod to one of the people who like helped the white Wright brothers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He create. shares the name with a real, a real guy. Yeah. So I think that's especially cool. Like Glenn Hammond Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't remember his name exactly, but there's I a section Curtis. on the Wikipedia article right now about uh, all the play and expertise. Really? Stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
great. <laughs> um, and and I, I think Miyazaki, uh, in addition to storyboarding every scene in every of his movies, insists on also animating every every frame of the plane scene specifically. Uh, so it's a lot of that in this movie. Yeah. Um. One of the engines says Ghibli, yes. and I was like, man, why Why aren't uh, Ghibli movies like Pixar, where they have like A113 <laughs> in every no. movie? Like, they should just have the word Ghibli hidden somewhere in every movie. Yeah, I mean, I think Ghibli comes from a plane, uh, so I don't know if it was like the literal, like, historical use of Ghibli, but I think he got it from like a random plane. So that's how it starts with anyway, so it's appropriate in this case, I would say. Um yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it, it's not a lot of d- deep discussion like we've talked about past stuff with the planes, but it's a huge aspect of this movie. And um, that, yeah, is this a plane I'll, comment? Well, yeah, uh, I'll say like I'm not as into plane animation. Like, uh, so like that that probably plays into my opinion of the movie since that's like a big deal with it. But the the scene when uh, w- when uh, they're Theo and and him are and uh, the secret hideout and he's talking about the story of him uh, like getting knocked down the clouds and then yes. you see uh, like all the planes like going up into the sky and it's like a representation for maybe heaven or the afterlife. Mm. like that that scene in particular was just like one of the most beautiful shots i've seen in any of these movies so like that that part stood out to me just like all the i I agree that's like together um just just that that scene we haven't talked about yet i think that's one of the standout Uh, scenes of the movie absolutely (laughs) uh based on raul dahl's uh story they shall not grow old um pretty Apparently, it is a pretty straight adaptation of that story, that scene that uh, they tell. Um, but yeah, that's it's a really, uh, a really gorgeous scene. Very powerful in the placement and the animation, and everything. Um, that was like the main scene we hadn't talked about. I would, I would have wanted to talk about too. Um, oh, I get the the. I wanted to, I wanted to talk about Hotel uh, Adriano. Um, I think in terms of animation, just the the. background shots and the animation on the hotel and the surrounding Adriatic Sea, I think is a real highlight for me too. Um, Alex, any other scenes uh, you want to highlight from the movie? Um, Animation wise, uh, uh, a scene I enjoyed was the, uh, the ending uh, fight between, uh, (laughs) well, like the, the fist fight between, uh, um, Yes, uh, Curtis and and Porca. As he was like that, with each like round of punches, they see it, you got like the more bulges coming out, like red spots. Porco can barely see out of one eye. So I just love when you can get a little grotesque with it. And <laughs> so the, um, the, they uh, they did they did well to take advantage of of that opportunity. I I, I, lo- I love I love seeing facial stuff. Um, I like the, I do really like the dog fight. For me, the most striking part is the, the character aspect of Porco does, he doesn't kill and he's not trying to kill Curtis, whereas vice yeah. versa he is. Is that, a, is that a Michael Keaton thing? Because Batman doesn't kill. <laughs> I don't think that this is. Unless it's the recent I don't... films. <laughs> well, it's, it's not Christian Bale, is it? It's, it's Michael no. Keaton. Maybe that's why they got him. Um, oh, for well, me... by the way, I I haven't commented on the dub. I, was, I, I watched like 15 minutes of the dub. Uh, my only uh, thoughts are, A, Michael Keaton does not bring the same energy that the Japanese voice no. actor does. He sounds very like chill, which is just not what Porco Rosso is. So that's a misunderstanding of the character. And B, Susan Egan is really cool and she should do is she uh, Steven Universe is a voice actress as well. So she's good. Uh, those are my thoughts on the dub. <laughs> 
Nice. Um, and Gina in the in the original voice by Tokiko Kato, who's a, a singer and sings the ending song, I think too, and sings the, the Gina's performance um, with the towards the beginning of the movie. That scene is very striking too. Uh, just seeing Gina's uh, singing that song we mentioned, "Time of the Cherries," um, in in the hotel. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna talk about a different scene but uh, uh april comments you said you love the music for this movie is it the so we we talked about that song and then at the end there's once in a while talk of the old days um that plays over the credits which i really love that song in the context of the movie um comments on those are just the, the actual score by joey saishi the actual score um because yeah. I, I i you know i've said this in multiple podcasts but I love whenever like a the music can enhance what's taking place and doesn't take away from what's happening. Um, especially like whenever like we're in the air, like I, I I just really enjoyed that music. It was like very lively and like alive, and I was like, yeah, I'm up in the air too, but I'm not really. I'm sitting on my couch, <laughs> so you yeah. can feel like you can feel the scene more whenever like the music plays into it and again like like obviously like i noticed it but like if you don't notice the music i feel like that's always more effective as well um or because it it adds so much to what's taking place in front of you yeah i think kasaishi's porco soundtrack is great it's so different from his other stuff uh mm-hmm. all of the we've seen already a just incredible range of uh of hisaishi music um in these different movies um, yeah, th- this one, this one is really good. Um, what, uh, what I was going to say was, but the uh, Porco not killing at the end uh, definitely reminds me of Aang in the Avatar series finale. Um, <laughs> so I, I could see that being inspired. I mean, it's, it's you know, different uh, tones, I guess. But, uh, you know, well, as we know like, Avatar just, takes from Miyazaki a lot of times. Well, it also just plays into the whole anti-war stance of all of his movies. Like, you know, Porco may have left I think, because you know, he doesn't I think feel a, like killing. Yeah, and I think it's a more personal detail. I think it's a strong personal detail to Porco that really does speak well to him. Um, uh, just uh, him him not killing. And yeah, in the beginning, he t- he tries to save the school kids. Um, that That's, like I mentioned in the beginning, that that's really one of my favorite scenes is... Uh, just the kids gleefully being kidnapped. Um, They're just so excited. Yeah. I love it. Are you? Are we your hostages? <laughs> yeah. Are you real pirates? Like. It's really, that's maybe my and favorite then, scene. What is it like? They're just like running around and they're like, this isn't a playground. And they're like, oh, what's up here? And they're like, okay, but only for a second. Like. <laughs> yeah. And it's then they great. all start jumping off. <laughs> they start abandoning the place. <laughs> Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, the mama, the mama Ito is also very funny throughout throughout the movie, as I mentioned, with the picture and just in general. Um, yeah, it's it's a whole nother. There's like a pirate federation. It's a very like not explored mythological detail of this movie. There's one scene where they like provoke Porco, and that's kind of it. Um, it kind of um, what is it? It makes me think of uh, like in John Wick. Um, like you don't conduct business on continental grounds kind of thing like <laughs> yeah they go they go into between the countries and the sea yeah mm-hmm. okay i like it yeah it's more more pirates too um okay april anything else you can think of from the movie you want to hit on um no i i feel like we hit everything and i got to have my feminist rant so that's great <laughs> <laughs> that's is great yeah 
Uh, yeah, that's a it's a taxing discussion at the end there, but it's it's a, a yeah. necessary and complicated thing for this movie to talk about. Alex, anything else from Porco Rosso? Uh, pigs are cool, you guys. I knew you were gonna talk yeah. about pigs. Wait, well, Alex, have you seen a plane in real life? Have I seen a plane in real life? Yeah, because we asked uh, if you've seen a pig. Yeah. Oh, well, that's actually a good point. I don't think I've seen like a, a one person plane in real life. I've seen like a commercial like, plane. Yeah, like I've obviously been on like an American Airlines flight, but like I've never been on like a, you know, one of those like. Uh, a little Cessna. Yeah, yeah. One of, one of those things. You're like, so. yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm I'm frightened by them, but um, as, as someone who follows sports and knows many athletes who have died from football playing as you should be. But, you know. Yeah, which is all the more reason I admire Porco for his bravery in continuing to fly in that thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, like uh, we we've got to some serious discussion here, but I hope that doesn't overshadow the fact that this is a fun movie that you can like put it on and it'll like you can just like lay back in your seat and just let it wash over you. Like it's not actually that uh, that much uh, like stressful going on in this movie. So like. Uh, also, yeah. ninety minutes. That helps. Yeah. Also, ninety yeah. minutes. So yeah, it's just a re- a fun, relaxing movie. Maybe not like in the in the top tier of Miyazaki to me, but like uh, it has its fans, and for good reason because Borko is fun. Yeah, I would say that's a good summary of this this movie's place in the canon. There's there's certain people, potentially me included, that would put this pretty far up there for Miyazaki, but then um, you know, not not necessarily as as canonically great as uh. I don't know what canonically means in this context. That's some of uh, the spirit of the white type <laughs> movies. Um, general course, general opinion. But um, you, yeah, no, you, you'll, you, I'm, I'm glad people have exposure to Porco Rosso now from it being on streaming because I do think is of of the Miyazaki major movies is one of the least viewed ones in the U.S. at least. So I'm happy people are getting to see it. Um, glad we got into all these aspects of Porco Rosso. And next week. Uh, big shift to Ocean Waves, the one nobody has seen. So we're very excited to talk about Ocean Waves, <laughs> and, and then Pompoko, which and is another uh, another one that has two words ending in. Oh, or wait, no, it's only one word ending in O. Never mind. Uh, but it's just Porco <laughs> Rosso, Pompoko. They sound similar. Uh, Those do sound similar. Yeah. So yeah. we got uh, last major Miyazaki movie for a little bit here on the Ghibli Rewatch series. Um, but we have the least major movie to talk about next time. And then some people consider Pomboko a major one. And then uh, some Whisper the Heart and then getting into Mononoke. Um, so let us know what you thought of Porco Rosso, our discussion on Porco Rosso. Find all the ways to contact us at OverlyAnimated.com. Uh, consider supporting us at Patreon, patreon.com slash OverlyAnimated. Thanks to our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Steve. And thanks as always to our patron executive producers, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Beatrice, Hugh, Michael, Needle, and Phonician. Back for Ocean Waves next week. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Arrivederci.